you hear me now? Woo! Technology when it works. So I arrived in California and it rained for two days. I arrived in Amarillo, Texas, there's thunder and lightning for five hours and it rains buckets from the heavens. When I go to New York, if it rains again, I'm going to start getting a complex. <laughs> but it is a joy to be here this morning and to be able to share with you. Uh, although what, time do I, what time do I need to finish? That's the only piece of information that I need. 10.45. 10.45, my goodness. Is that clock correct? Oh, well, we'll finish before 10.45. Well, it's time for questions at the end. Uh, Dublin Family Outreach is a fairly new mission, uh, although I have been working in Dublin, Ireland since 1988. And uh, as Howard was saying, I have come along to the church here. You've very kindly invited me uh, with teams coming to us, uh, inviting me to come back here and share with you. Our ministry has always been with the marginalised uh, and with the underprivileged. Uh, working in the housing projects, as you would call them, uh, uh, with people who, a lot of them, have an entitlement mentality, uh, where uh, social welfare is handed to them. We have a very socialist country, much more than you have, uh, and so uh, a lot of the folks in the areas where we work, uh, but the more you do for them, uh, the, the more they'll sit back and let you do it. And you think you're getting real busy and doing a lot of really good stuff, and really they're just sitting back and doing nothing, and you're not really helping them. Uh, so we, our motto, if you want one, our motto is to work with, not for. Uh, so sometimes we will give them emergency help uh, when they need it because everybody gets stuck from time to time. But we don't want them becoming dependent on us. We want them uh, to work through their issues, to be transformed and changed. Now a very important part of our work is in this place called Drewstown House. So I'm going to deviate a little because Drewstown House is not the ministry of Dublin Family Outreach. We don't own it. Uh, we aren't part of it. Uh, but we do go there a lot. And in all those years of ministry that I've been involved in Ireland, Drewstown House has been very important. Here we are, Drewstown House, built in 1748. 13 bedrooms. Anyone, uh, uh, what's that show? Oh, I can't. That's the one. Think downtown Abbey, and, and here we are. There's a lake. There's acres and acres of forest. It's real pretty there. It's beautiful. It's a place where people go just to feel close to God. I like to go there. I volunteer at Drewstown House uh, maybe once a week, once a fortnight, because when I go there, I feel close to God. I can get away from the city, away from the hustle and the bustle, and just spend time with the Father. And commune with him, even if it means I have to repair a broken window or uh, dig a trench or do something else. That's good for me as well physically. I started going to Drewstown House at Halloween, 1988. And I just put up this lantern for you to remind you that we give this to you. This is not an American invention. This is Irish. Now, of course... Whenever we came over here, we couldn't find turnip to make our lanterns with, but we found pumpkins. And that's why you do this. The story is told at home of Jack. Jack was a wily, crafty old farmer who made a deal with the devil, sold his soul to the devil, as the story goes. But being crafty as he was, he tricked the devil before the deal uh, could be sealed. And so the devil 
cursed, wily, crafty old Jack to wander the earth forever in the darkness with only the light of a lantern to guide his way. And that's why you have a Jack lantern. (laughs) Because of the Irish and old Jack. But for me, Halloween is tied in with this guy. Well, a 30-year younger version of this guy. His name is Paul. And Paul, at that Halloween weekend at Drew's Townhouse, was the first fruit of the ministry that we were involved in. He gave his life to the Lord. Uh, He was in his early 20s. And we had the privilege not only of seeing him come to know the Lord, uh, but also to see him years later come into the ministry full-time as well. And join us in the ministry to nurture, disciple. And then after years, to see him come into the ministry was such a blessing. And uh, Paul, uh, he he married this uh, beautiful young lady. He met her in church. Um, Her name, Karen. And Karen was from a very well-to-do Catholic family. And when she became a born-again believer, and this was about 30 years ago, and times have changed, I know, but back then, uh, born-agains were a cult. Born agains were what you would consider Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, in a Catholic country, we were the Jehovah Witness. Uh, as evangelical, as born again, as disciples. We were the odd ones out, very much in the minority. And so her family disowned her. Uh, wouldn't speak to her. When she announced she was going to get married to Paul, uh, they, uh, they said, we will not be at the wedding. We do not approve. But as the time for the wedding came up, that's okay, invite them to come. <laughs> As the time for the wedding to come up, they changed their minds and decided, yeah, we're going to come to the wedding. We're going to take up your invitation, but we're only coming to protest and to show how much we disapprove of you marrying someone like him. Because Paul had shared with me many stories. He had been in the merchant navy. Uh, he was a drunkard. He was the chef. And even though he was the chef, he would be on a three-day drinking binge uh, and be uh, drunk out of his mind and the ship would sail without him from Hong Kong or Singapore, wherever he was, and leave him behind. He'd have to make his own way home. All his antics that he'd have uh, back in the day. They didn't approve, first of all, of her being a Christian and secondly, of her choice of a husband. And so the wedding day came And I can tell you the tension that day as we waited for the protest of disapproval. It was palpable. You could almost cut the atmosphere with a knife as we waited for these people to stand up and protest. You know the part where if any man knew any reason why this man should not be joined to this, we were, oh, and it didn't happen. And it got right up to the part where pastor says, you may now kiss the bride. And there was such applause and such a relief of tension. I think it's the loudest applause and cheering I ever heard at any wedding. The protest didn't happen. The disapproval wasn't shown. Uh, Paul and Karen. Karen had two sisters, has two sisters. They came into her ministry to see what it was about. They, even though they own mansions and are very well connected, very wealthy, they just had no assurance in their lives. They were always going to fortune tellers wanting to know what tomorrow might bring. No peace. And so we said to them, oh, hey, would you like to meet a witch doctor? 
A witch doctor! Wow! From Africa! Yeah! So they came in, and we sat them down in a room, and the African witch doctor came in. Of course, that was 20 years before, and he's a pastor now of a Nigerian church. <laughs> and uh, we just left him and them to go on with it. And about two hours later, I could hear the roof getting rattled as that pastor prayed and led those two girls to the Lord. One of them uh, is a former Miss Ireland. She, she runs a modeling agency, lives now in the U.S. The other is married to the son of the then Prime Minister of Ireland. Paul and Karen get invited to the mansion for New Year's drinks and have many opportunities to witness to the Prime Minister of Ireland. And it started in a place called Drewstown House. Drewstown House is a very special place. That was 30 years ago, and if we speed forward from then until the past couple of months, here's my new friend Anthony. Uh, Anthony and I uh, get along, we're great buddies, he's like 24, he's, he's younger than my youngest child, uh, and he acts like a child sometimes, very rough upbringing from a project in the inner city of Dublin, a life of crime, uh, of murder, of drugs, a lot of his friends are uh, drug heads, as he calls them, they run drugs gangs, he, he's well in with all the people you don't want to be well in with. He was in the Irish army, uh, he's done range your training, all sorts of stuff. He's a real outdoorsy kind of guy. And you know, folks, how Jesus says, from now on, ye shall be fishers of men. We'll practice your fishing. A fisherman uh, needs something on his hook. He needs bait. Not right? And off you go, and you catch your fish. And depending what type of fish you want to catch, that, di that dictates what type of bait you put on your hook. Well, with him, I'm thinking, okay, he's an outdoorsy guy. He's, he's bound to love a place like Daroostown. So uh, we, we, I let him know it's there, and we do camps there in the summer with inner-city people. Some people he might even know. Why didn't you come down and see around and see what it's like? And he brings his partner down, and they fall in love with the place. And I meet him again after camp, and he's, well, when can we get going down to Drewstown? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm very busy. Oh, no, no, come on. You have to bring me down again. I just love that place. I just have to be there. Can, can, can we get down there? When can we go? And, oh, I'm not sure. Reel the hook. Reel the line. Reel the line. No, 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 no. No, come on. Let me. Let me. And I'm, no, 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 no. And, and uh, I know he loves to do this. He has his own two, four, three, is that what it's called? And he shoots things a quarter of a mile away. And uh, I, I gently drop a hint to him, well, we do have a lot of crows down at Drewstown. They build big, huge nests. They make such a terrible mess. We're overrun. If we had someone that could shoot a few of them, that, 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 you know, oh, of course! And he's reel it, reel it, reel it. And so uh, we, we, we book ourselves in for a weekend. We'll go down on Friday. We'll uh, let off a few rounds. We'll blast down a few crows. Of course, Irish crows, they're very intelligent. And once they hear the first boom from the shotgun, you can't see a crow for miles. <laughs> so what are we going to do now, Anthony? So I said, well, he says, so, well, could you give me a hand with something? Anything, Bill? Anything, Bill? 
Just love being here. Do anything to get here, Bill. I would, you see the shovel there? Because you bring the shovel. I've just been building a bit of a wall up around the lake. And uh, if you could help me with that, you know, and then we'll come back and shoot a few more crows when they come back again. So he very delightedly goes over. He gets the shovel and the pick and, and uh, bags of cement and sand. And I'm struggling with one bag of sand. And I'm, I'm doing it on purpose because I'm reeling. I'm dragging this. And he's, Bill, give that to me. And he grabs one bag of sand under each arm. He's a big lad. He one on each arm. And he's very proud. He dumps him into the trailer with the quad. And he just can't help it. He's just like a big kid. He just had to jump on that quad and get driving the quad. And he's having a great time. And we get up around the lake. And he's, uh, of course, he's, oh, yeah. I suppose, oh, yeah. I suppose you get me down here to go shooting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And now, yeah. I suppose I have to mix the cement. But he's grabbing the shovel out of my hand and he's, he's mixing away and he's having a great time as he's mixing the cement. And what are we building? Well, we're building this little tiny wall. It's in an area where we baptise people. Um, but the water level in the lake has gone down by two feet. And so the side of the lake has fallen in a little and we put, I'm building this retaining wall and a little step there in the middle where you can walk down in and then there's slabs, stone slabs there. You step on and step down, step down, step down to the area where you get baptised. What's this for, Bill? What's this for? So it's where we baptise people. You baptise people. Because see, all along, yes, we've been talking about guns, we've been talking about shooting crows, we've been talking about a lot of things, but all along we've been talking about the Lord. And he's been asking questions and questions and questions. And baptism... Can I get baptised, he says. I says, well, you'd have to confess the Lord Jesus as your saviour. Well, I do, of course he's my saviour. Like, who else is going to get you to heaven? You told me that, Bill. I says, yeah, the saviour part is okay. Lots of people want Jesus as their saviour. The other part is where you confess him as your Lord. And what's a Lord? See, we live in Ireland. We got rid of all the lords and ladies. We don't quite understand what the Lord is anymore. What is this Lord? And we explain about the Lord in your life, who calls the shots, who you honour him, you follow him as his disciple. You live his way, not your own way. And so he's thinking through all of this process. We're standing there, we just finished, he's taking that photograph. His phone rings, and it's his mother. Where are you, Anthony? I'm down here at Drewstown, Mum. I'm helping Bill. Sure, I told you about Bill. I'm helping to build a baptismal dock. <laughs> and by the end of the conversation, his mum wants to know how she can get baptised. And when she gets baptised, does that mean I have to change my faith? So I said, and this is by relay. So she's asking Anthony on the phone a question, and he's asking me the question, and I'm telling him that, and it's getting relayed back and forward. And I'm going, well... You don't necessarily have to change your faith. Your faith won't change. Your faith will still be in God. The focus of your faith might change from maybe being in a church where you must go to the priest and you can't get to heaven without that priest and without that church. And your, your, the object of your faith will change to God where you can come straight to him and have faith in him and have salvation without needing a human being because Jesus there's only one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. That's all you need. And so the messages are going back and forward. I needed to pray. From 30 years ago, 
until the last couple of weekends, Druze Town House. It happens there at Druze Town House, a special, special place. Druze Town House, 1748. Druze Town House, a place where, there it is. But if you were to look at it from the air, there's what you would see. There's a lake up at the top there. There's a forest over to the left and the right. There's parkland. Plenty of space for city folks to come and unwind and enjoy and be reached for Christ. But if you were to drop in, you'd see something going on inside because, well, this is what was here before. The panelling in the dining room. Had a team uh, come to us from California and uh, they they, they did a bit of work for us and, and that's what it became. We're blessed with people that come from different places. This was the old sign that we had at the entrance, the wall there, all covered in ivy, a little wooden sign, Trustown House. And then, um, well, something amazing happened. Now, you stare at that picture for a moment because you know the person just about to dive off the wall. I'm behind the wall there trying to save Dick Doyle. Don't jump, Dick! Don't jump! I thought you were pushing no, 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 I was trying to save you, Dick. And Dick is just diving off that wall. Of course, there's a few other guys, a few other uh, rogues to help us as well to get new signs up for Drew's Town House. Now, these were uh, made and painted by a volunteer from California, and they were installed uh, by volunteers from Amarillo, Texas, there at Drew's Town House. But of course, you know, it's a work in progress. 1748, uh, here's the dog kennels. The dog kennels, and they actually were dog kennels. Back in the day, when there were quite wealthy people who lived in Drewstown House, and they owned like 2,500 acres, uh, they had hounds. And I can't say that in, in US Amarillo language. Uh, you know, uh, uh, not wolf hounds, blood hounds. Okay, and you know those hound parks where you have the, the lords and ladies in their white jackets and the black helmet and the very genteel right on there. You know those hounds. They had their own pack of hounds, and they would do the hunt around the land and back and forward. And this is where they housed the hounds. This is the dog kennels. Well, these dog kennels, they're just sitting there. We have stuff stored in there. They're pretty dry, and we store stuff in there. But the problem is, Drew's Town House, we pack it out. The camps that we bring, we're so many people, every bed space is filled. And we, 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 we want to bring more people. A few years ago, the top floor of Drew's Town House, you couldn't get in there. The fire marshal closed the building. He said that it's not safe to be up there, um, that the floor's going to give way, you can use the bottom floor, you can't go upstairs anymore. And so we had to do a lot of renovation work. Again, a team came, did a lot of work, and we were able to renovate five bedrooms on the top floor. A friend of mine phoned me up, just out of the blue. One of those divine coincidences, just right on, on cue. The Lord has him phone up and said, Bill, I, uh, I feel I, I want to do something for you. Is there anything you need in your ministry? And straight away, my answer to him was, well, we've just renovated this top floor at Drewstown House. And remember, it's not my ministry. I don't own it. My ministry doesn't own it. It's someone else that owns it. But it, if it wasn't there doing what it does, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. 
So straight away when he asked me, I said, we've rented this top floor. And that's it. It's just a big empty floor with five bedrooms. If you could purchase for us 20 sets of bunk beds, we could, we could use those bedrooms. And, and that would mean we can get 40 extra people on camp. That's going to bless my ministry. It's going to bless every ministry that uses Drew's Town House. It's going to bless the kingdom of God. Because for me, as for you, I believe, we are not building empires. I'm not working in Dublin to build a Presbyterian church or a Methodist church or any other sort of uh, denominational church. If they choose to make it that, that's up to them. That's their decision between them and the Lord. But we work together, not for an empire. We work for a kingdom. And it doesn't matter which particular emblem is on the flag. The flag is of the kingdom of God. And so that brother very kindly purchased those bunk beds and got them delivered. And we put them up in there. And we were able to bring extra people on camp. People who then in turn put their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm showing you the dog kennels because uh, the plan is to convert the dog kennels. Uh, We'll be able to get maybe... I don't know how many more people into those dog kennels. Not to treat them like dogs. It just depends how good you guys are at converting. And it's not just for the guys. I said guys, that I just slipped out. Ladies, we are an equal opportunities employer. If you can build bricks, you're welcome on the team. If you can wire in electric, you're welcome on the team. If you can handle a paintbrush, you're welcome on the team. We need a team of people who have winning servant hearts to come and help us in this ministry to convert these kennels uh, to see in there maybe another 20 to 30 people being able to be accommodated in there. Uh, Drewstown House is a very special place. Drewstown House, I look at it as a maternity hospital, a spiritual maternity hospital. It's where people go to be born again. It's where people come to a mission station. People come to have their faith stretched to have their faith extended to have their faith strengthened Drewstown House is a place where people can come on mission teams and be trained in evangelism Drewstown House reaches out to the area around about where it is situated Drewstown House is a place where I hope uh, you will come and you will experience the joy of that place Drewstown House Dublin Family Outreach together as one ministry. I needed to pray. And that's where I want to finish. Because that's the, the most important thing I need from you. Yeah, I need you to come as a team. Yes, we are so blessed by your financial help. Thank you so much for, for those things. But most of all, we need your spiritual input. This is a spiritual battle. Because our enemy does not want to see Drewstown House be blessed. Or this work in Dublin, Ireland be blessed. He is out to seek to destroy a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may destroy to devour not to take captive not to hold captive but to destroy to devour and the people that we reach out to are people held by the god of this world denied access but now together we can come and that's why i need you spiritually on the team to sign up to pray for us and pray with us because the more you do for somebody 
the more they'll sit back and let you do it. So please do it with us. Pray for this work of Dublin Family Outreach and Drewstown. Yeah, if we can raise a team and maybe there's not enough folks from First Pres, maybe Westminster could chip in a few people as well. And maybe First Baptist, is that allowed? Is that okay? To do things with other... See, in Northern Ireland, where I'm from, that no, no, no. Presbyterians don't talk to Baptists, and Baptists don't talk to brethren, and brethren don't talk to nobody. <laughs> but if it's okay over here, maybe we could get a team from different churches to get together, and we, we'll, we'll pay Kim Tally to bring them over. <laughs> and get those dog kennels changed into living accommodation. So that more people can come and be blessed. More people. There's four people signed up already to use that baptismal dock, not including Anthony. We need your prayers. Prayer for Anthony. He's so close to the kingdom. I was sitting in church and there was, there was somebody in the first service that I looked over and I thought, oh, there's Anthony, uh, a, a young guy. And the, the Lord just there laid it on my heart. He's, he's the one. He, he has potential. Like there's all... None of us are getting any younger. And I, I suddenly thought, there's a Timothy. A young man with vigor, a young man with leadership potential. If only he took the step of faith into the kingdom, he would make such a great leader for such a work as this. Now, it's uh, 20 past. Um, I'm, I'm going to be kind to you um, and hope that you have questions. And it's okay if you don't have questions because this isn't the Catholic Church and we're not in confession. You don't have to make up something just to tell the priest. So it's okay if you don't want to ask the question. But if you do have a question, uh, I'll try and answer it. If I can't answer, Kim will. You can raise your hand I'll give you a microphone. Answer questions? Yeah, okay, Greg. What caused that rift, especially up north? Why, why is that there? Uh, there's a big difference in religion, north and south, uh, several reasons. Historically, um, uh, the Queen of England, Elizabeth I, uh, she couldn't defeat the Irish Catholics, uh, so she decided, well, we can't beat them with an army, so we'll kill two birds with one stone. Those Presbyterians up in Scotland, they're not real Protestants. They are nonconformists. Um, so um, they, they don't recognize the queen as the head of the church. They don't conform to the pattern of the Episcopal church. So we'll offer them land in Ireland. We'll take the land off the Catholics and give it to the Presbyterians. And so she started the plantation. I, I live in an area of plantation in the north. In the north we have preached the gospel. We have um, uh, several revivals. And we've seen many people come to know the Lord. About one-third of the people in Northern Ireland would claim to be believers. One-third uh, because of our background. But when the Reformation came to Ireland, uh, to the Republic, to the mainly Catholic area, it came at the point of a sword. Uh, and uh, the, Henry and Elizabeth tried to force the Irish Catholic to become Protestant. Uh, does anybody know what this means? When you do this behind your back? Pardon? It's what? King's X. King's what? King's X. King's X. Meaning, I don't mean it. I'm, I'm making up what I say. Okay. <laughs> well, where it actually comes from is this. Because you can't do this at the time. 
or we know you're a Catholic and you'll get arrested. So you do this behind your back. Another little historical tidbit in there for you. So is Presbyterian like a bad word in uh, Northern Ireland? Or? Uh, Presbyterian is good in the north of Ireland. In the Republic, you do not want to use the P word, and I don't mean Presbyterian, I mean Protestant. Um, in the Republic, a Protestant is the enemy. Protestant is Queen Elizabeth, the enemy, the English. They stole our country, and we had to fight to take it back again. And we'll keep fighting until we get all of it in the north because they didn't give us that part back so we'll keep fighting on until we get it all and it's one nation once again so in the south there is there's lots of um, catholicism in the north there's lots of presbyterians and baptists and lots of protestants concentrated in the north so that's that's a long answer to a very short question yes dan Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's, it's maybe um, when I just arrived in Dublin, uh, I know not to use the P word. Um, but then how do you describe yourself? Uh, and and uh, someone asked me, uh, well, I'm a Catholic Christian. And you say you're a Christian. What sort of Christian are you? And at that point, if I say I'm a Protestant, uh, I've got 400 years of atrocities to explain. You've heard of Oliver Cromwell? Uh, He came to Ireland, uh, murdered Catholics left, right and centre, atrocities up and down the land, so it's said. You have to explain, how can you do that? If you're a Christian, how can you do that? So you've got 400 years worth of explaining to do before you explain about Jesus Christ and the grace of God. So you can't use the P word. Uh, So, well, I'm I'm a believer... I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I'm born again. I, I, I'm on a journey to try and find the right terminology. And the guy suddenly says, Oh, you mean like Billy Graham off the television? And I go, oh, Does he like Billy Graham? Does he not like Billy Graham? Well, hey, we're going to jump on in here, Lord. See what you're going to do. And I said, Yeah, if you know Billy Graham, yeah, I like Billy Graham. And he called his wife to come in and says, It's okay. Uh, bring in a cup of tea they're not proddy waddies they're born agains you can trust the born agains they're not protestant they're not the enemy they're not the english Uh, and i realized suddenly a third tribe had come into ireland the protestant tribe the catholic tribe but now the born again tribe which was neither one or the other billy could you explain a little bit about your summer program uh, do you still have families, or is it mainly children? And how would we go about sponsoring someone for that? Yeah, Mary Lou, um, thank you. Um, the summer, uh, summer program, we have family camp. Uh, so we, we, we don't take children just on their own. Um, it's getting more and more difficult to do that. We used to do that in tents. So you'd have six children and two adults sleeping in a tent. And uh, it's, it's, uh, with child protection stuff nowadays, it's quite difficult to be, even to find volunteers that are willing to do that. So um, uh, we do family camp. So the, the whole family comes along. And um, the, the, the full price for camp is something like 180 euros for a week. Uh, but the background there from, if we charge each one of them, and there might be uh, six, seven, eight of them from a family, uh, there's no way they can afford 180 euros each. Uh, so, so we still want them to pay something. So we will uh, have a charge for them. Because if you give somebody something for nothing, they treat it like nothing, like an entitlement. 
and we want them to have ownership of we paid for that source and so we charge them but then we find uh, through sponsors um, people who will uh, send us uh, a certain amount to sponsor a person to go on the camp and some of you guys have have done that and we thank you for that you get to pray for the person we send you some details of the person and their family you get to pray for them while they're at camp so you get to be on camp without being on camp because you're there spiritually you're praying for the person during that week on camp and many people say I want to keep praying for these people after camp let us know how they're getting on that happens too so uh, the summer program is for families um, and the sponsorship is so that we can make sure all the members of the family who want to be on camp can be there on camp thank you other questions you want to raise your hand I'll give you a microphone okay Doug great across the room yeah Uh, over the summer, there'll be probably 180. Uh, there'll be oh yeah, and all Catholic. Um, in 30 every years of of ministry in Dublin, I've met um, two Protestants. Those families will come from large uh, housing projects. Uh, you call them here; we call them housing estates. So, uh, government um, uh, accommodation. Uh, the houses are quite small. They're packed in really tight. How they get enough privacy to have so many children, I don't know. But it's, it's like a very small space to be having kids in and, and raising kids. Um, a lot of them are on welfare. Uh, all the social issues uh, of city life, uh, drug addiction, alcoholism, wife abuse, child abuse, verbal abuse, is uh, five times higher than the national average. Uh, unemployment, five times higher. Youth uh, unemployment, way up there. Uh, so there's lots of crime, um, a lot of suicide nowadays as well. That's a growing trend. I don't know if it's a growing trend here, especially young, among young moms. Used to be, uh, it was the most common reason for a man between age of 15 and 25. The most common reason to be in hospital was attempted suicide. Um, the, the ladies are starting to catch up on that. It's a terrible thing to have to be dealing with. A young mom. Uh, a couple of years ago uh, booked in to come on camp she commits suicide uh, she has a, a daughter of 16 all the way down to a, uh, a two month old uh, baby and you can say well postnatal depression um, could have been but at her funeral another young mum uh, two young children six month old and, and two year old uh, standing at the graveside and uh, goes home and commits suicide uh, and then a third one uh, it's just a regular common occurrence. It's an option. Since the Catholic Church have declared it not a sin, it's an option now on the table. It's something, yeah, you can consider that's okay. Just kill yourself. Uh, for young people, uh, suicide is, is, uh, is an option. It's a way out where you get one big day. I'm nobody, I'm nothing. The world wouldn't miss me if I'm not here. But at least when I commit suicide... Everybody will be there. They'll, they'll have a big ceremony. It's a big day. Uh, go out with a go out with a bang, as it were. Uh, at least I get one day when I'm somebody, rather than a lifetime of being nobody. Uh, so that those projects, uh, that's that's why we have a celebration once a month. Uh, we we purposely get together once a month just to share the things we're thankful for, because there's so much bad news for them all around them. Uh, and I'll say to them, let's, let's just get together and say, thank you, God, um, for my children. They're great kids. Or for my partner, he's, he does this, and I love just the way he does that. Or 
What is it that we're thankful for? And we share it and we thank God for it. And we pray together and uh, we'll hear the word of God together and uh, we'll sing worship songs together. And they are learning how to worship. Uh, maybe two dozen, three dozen people. It's, it's not, if I had this many people, I don't know what I'd do because you wouldn't all fit in the house anyway. And uh, we don't have a building. We just meet in people's houses. So once you get two, three dozen people packed in there, they're already standing outside. And yet, they will do that because they see this is the answer. This Jesus Christ. Some of them have made a commitment already and they're queuing up for baptism there at Jerusalem. And uh, some of them are just like Anthony and they're just kind of almost there. So please continue to pray and hold us, hold us up before the Lord in prayer in this ministry. If you can't come, at least send your prayers. If, if you can't afford to, to help other people to go, at least send your prayers. And that's okay. I've raised six children uh, on the principle of if there's money in the bank, uh, we, we eat. And if there's not, we don't, because God knows what we need. And for 30 every years of being in Dublin, the Lord has never let us go hungry. We've always had enough uh, of money. Yeah, we always could have used more, I'm not sure what we would have done with it, but we always had enough, because God is faithful. But did we ever have enough people praying for us? Now here's a question. You can ask the theologians in the room for the answer. Here is a question. Okay, now I'm asking people to sign up uh, to pray for us. Billy, why do you want people to sign up and pray for you? Surely the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Just one person praying the prayer, that's enough. You pray the prayer, Billy, and God will hear you. Is God more likely to hear the prayer because 10,000 people pray it? Is, is God like a parent if all the kids are screaming at the parent and asking for the same thing? That he finally gives in and does it for them? Is, is he more likely to answer the prayer because more people ask him? Is he? Is that why we... His transformation of us into the men and women he wants us to be mm-hmm. is getting us participating in the building of his kingdom yeah. through prayer and action. But prayer mm-hmm. is one of the ways that he draws us into the building of the kingdom. And it's a great privilege. It is a mm-hmm. great privilege. Yes, and thank you for your prayers. So participation, any other answer? Does God hear the prayer? Is he more likely to answer because 10,000 people are participating? Or just one person is participating? Is he more likely to say yes? And why would we have more people pray? I'll tell you my answer. When one person prays and God answers, no matter whether it's a yes or no or a maybe, when one person prays, there's just one person to say thank you. When 10,000 people pray, there's 10,000 people to praise God. Prayer is about the glory of God. It's not about you and me getting what we need to make us healthy or bless our finances or be good to our children or heal us when we're sick. All those things are important and he does hear those prayers. But that's not the point of prayer. The point of prayer is that glory goes to God, not us. It's all about God's glory or salvation. It's about God's glory. Our prayers are about God's glory. So that's why I want you on board because I know God is going to hear and answer prayers. And in one way, I don't really need you to pray the prayer. 
Because I'm praying it already, and I know my God supplies all their needs. God's work done in God's way never lacks God's supply. I know he'll supply. I just want you to be involved in the blessing, in that time when we can praise God, because he's heard and he's answered, and he's glorified 